Hello, and welcome to Maker's Tilted, episode 62. Uh, I forgot to think of a cool thing about 62. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, yeah, I'm doing fine. I am recording this on my earbuds. Sorry for the uh, the sound quality, but um, yeah, uh, something happened to my microphone just before we recorded, and tried to fix it for a little bit, and it just didn't work, so I'm going to have to figure that out later, so... There's Technology. a good lesson in here about being a bootstrapper. Sometimes you just gotta ship it. It's not gonna, yep. uh, perfect. Is the enemy of good? Just you just do it. <laughs> uh, good. I'm glad that's what we're doing. How was your week? What'd you get up to? We got CAG competitions to talk about. We got homework to talk about. Yeah, yeah. So I'm um, learning more math for machine learning. Uh, homework two is just about wrapped up. It's supposed to be the hardest. Or homework one and two were the hardest. So hopefully, it gets easier from here. I spent probably about 40 hours on it, just relearning. Lots of math. So, um, yeah, I still haven't shipped any, uh, like, teaching math things. I still want to do that. But, it, like, I felt like I had to get this done before I could, like, which which is kind of a paradox of learning because I, I, I know I would learn it better if I try to teach what I was learning as I was learning it. Mm. Um, but I just I don't, didn't have the time. I couldn't find the time to, to do that mm. uh, because I was doing this competition stuff as well. So um, this one is actually not the Kaggle one. It's the Driven Data Competition, which is the snow water equivalent one. Mm. So you're trying to predict the amount of snow in the entire western United States for like five months. Um, and I thought I was doing pretty well. Um, for this one, you can't trust the leaderboard for reasons I can talk about. But um, I thought I was doing pretty well, but it turns out a very subtle bug meant I was doing very average. And so <laughs> uh, I realized I wasted about four days of work and um at least i caught it before the submission but uh it's very frustrating it reminds me of like running a SaaS as well or running like a business like you can think you're doing pretty well uh because by some metrics you might be and then there's some subtle you know something subtle wrong that actually turns out you're very average (laughs) so yeah i'll still probably submit um as of right now so it's 24 hours left before you have to submit your code and only 11 teams have submitted so far so Mm. uh, i expect that to go way up but um even if it goes to 20 or 30, like there's five prizes. So mm. I'll still submit because, you know, who knows? Um, but yeah, so that was kind of a bummer. thought I was doing better than I, than I actually am. Mm. So that was my week. Several things I want to follow up on. Uh, I also wasted four days of work this last <laughs> week on something completely different and much less important. But we'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, right. the, I'm, I'm curious about two things. So, so uh, whichever one you talk about first. The, the first one I'm curious about is what the content of Homework 2 was. I'm enjoying learning second hands about machine learning stuff uh explaining it to me as if i know as much as i do and uh then i'd also like to talk about what your ideal flow for the math tutorials would look like of like is your ideal flow doing those in the moment or is it a recap afterwards if you could take a step back from yourself and design a flow of how that would look like uh i'm I'm curious what that would do so uh which would you like to talk about first that's a good question uh i can look at my homework here and see if i can summarize it quickly um it's about different um types of classifiers and different algorithms for classification and so like um but it's all theory based well so there's two components there's a theory and a programming component but the programming component is easy compared to the theory part so a lot of it's it's looking at you know idealized classifiers but it's still like trying to teach you things like you have a classifier and you want to or sorry you have data and you want to learn that with a classifier which is not going to be perfect you know how can you can you make any guarantees about the you know accuracy you can get can you how can you perform updates uh as you get data in order to get close to the true uh, probability and that kind of thing so um yeah 
the, a lot of the re math I had to relearn was I had to calculate the gradient of a loss function when I had to take the derivative of uh, a sigmoid function and inside of it were three other two other functions. So I had to do the chain rule twice oh. and I had forgotten what the chain rule was. <laughs> so I had to relearn that uh, to take the derivative of a sigmoid with something else inside of it. Um, yeah, so it's that, that kind of stuff. Man, cool. Uh, I <laughs> that's I I think I know what we're talking about. I don't I don't know if I need to dig any more into it. Then I, I think what you're saying is like for this this problem of classifiers, you're you're trying to mathematically prove whatever there is to know about classifiers of like can it can it do what it actually says it it does and can can we say anything about like the minimal amount that it's guaranteed to be able to classify and in part of doing that it's just a bunch of math of figuring out derivatives and integrals of things uh, to do a formal math proof that says yes we can say that classifiers are mathematically proven to be at least this good does that sound right yep yep and there's a lot of probability in there too so it's like okay. yeah all that probability cool. stuff yeah <laughs> okay neat i don't know that i'm directly interested in that but that sounds cool uh I'd... i'm not necessarily interested in it either um but i do now that i'm through it i appreciate that i now understand what a lot of these papers are talking about which is the whole point mm. of me doing this thing it's not for me to do this myself necessarily it's to understand what papers talk about when they talk about probabilities of classifiers and that kind of okay. thing okay that makes sense um yeah because now you're you're in more of the lingo and now if someone's trying to prove something more complicated you you at least have your footing of you know what they're talking about you know the process of what it looks like to prove something that's really cool that you're able to take this and pull it all the way down to math that that is counterintuitive for me i think i thought it was a bit more magic of like well we're doing this we don't really know why it's working but it sure is good at recognizing a cat versus a dog so <laughs> well, i guess we'll just keep doing it uh that's that's interesting that it's it has such a strong foundation well so as an example, one of these is a three-piece classifier, which is, has like two cutoff points. So that's mm -hmm. two parameters that it's worried about. A neural network might have a million or a billion parameters. Wow. So yes, we can prove it for these, you know, two parameter <laughs> classifiers. Yeah. Um, and the same math applies to the million parameter neural network, um, but you would never want to do it by hand. <laughs> that's why automatic sure. uh, differentiation is a thing. So, yeah. So I was like, we can prove it for these little things. We could, if we wanted to prove it for the big thing. We're not mm. gonna, but we could. Yeah. How neat. I'm reminded of my brother was just telling me about a bioinformatics class he was taking and they, they walked him through some process of like, here's how uh, the, this tiny segment of this thing that we know about the genome works. And here's how you can prove that like, you know, this gene goes to this thing and uh, what is it like the gene goes to the codon and the codons are in genes. And then from the codon that encodes for an amino acid and you, you can walk through like, okay, here's, here's this tiny small subset of this thing that we can say is true that we can all understand and talk about in this class and at the end of the explanation they were like by the way in the human body there's like millions of these and they're all interacting with each other and you don't have a prayer of being able to understand this the way that we did here but it's really important that you understand the theory of it so that you can design systems on computers that are able to do the actual calculations so that's cool we uh i i like this teamwork right now like humans come up with the ideas and we just in our tiny little pinhead brains were able to come up with like well this would theoretically work on this very small thing that i can understand and then we hand it to this behemoth that's really good at thinking in very precise ways 
trillions of times faster than us and then it's able to as, as long as our theory is sound it's able to extrapolate that and, and uh do it on a much bigger problem set uh it's cool yep it's a good yeah. good partnership between humans and computers right now <laughs> yes brief period of time where computers are not just better than us at everything that's right which is coming yes <laughs> yeah. uh, more on the uh bootstrapper side of things i i have loved when we've talked about it this idea of publishing short video tutorials or short blog posts about lessons that you're learning in mathematics translating it uh it's good for you because helping you better learn it it's good for the people who follow you on twitter because now people like me are going to be able to pick up these math concepts without having to go through all this work of doing the homework and, and having this degree uh good for the world because now that there are more people who are going to understand these math concepts we're going to be better at doing machine learning stuff and that's going to be better at uh, doing computers so uh I am very personally interested and also interested as a delegate of the rest of the world in helping to uh, make sure that you are able to make this type of content. Uh, I'd love your help in that. What, what might that look like? Uh, if, if you, what might that system look like that would get that content produced regularly? Yeah. So I would really like a process where I could make the things as I was learning it. Um, that's how I learned the best. So, so I could teach them things as I'm learning it. Um, mm -hmm. That is, is, I think, when it's fresh in my mind, that's the best for the lesson and best for me. Mm -hmm. um, the problem was, like, like today I have uh, homework due today, and in 24 hours this comp I have to have turn in my code for this competition. So, like, I, I felt yeah. really pressed in this last week because of those two external deadlines. And, um, like, the competition probably doesn't matter because I'm probably not going to win because of my bug. And so I probably could have given up and whatever. Uh, the homework also really doesn't matter. Like, whatever, you know, it's just a grade. Um, but the but those are two deadlines that have been imposed on me. And so I'm doing those instead of the math stuff. So after this, which supposedly was the hardest homework, is done, I would like to try to come up with a process where I could do things as I'm learning them. Um, I think I have that process in my head but I just need to execute on it now. Um, Talk me through it. What, what does that process look like? Yeah, so I did that iPad sketch, and I think that's pretty good. I think the way I can uh, do videos is similar to the way I did code, video, code videos, but uh, do it on the iPad instead of on a text editor, which is <laughs> I have a concept in my head. I write down, like longhand is how I plan everything. I write down the points I want to hit. Um, and then I just hit record and I do it, you know, three or four times. Mm. And by the time I'm done with the fourth time, I have something I can edit into a quick video. Um, that proved pretty effective when I was doing short code videos. So mm -hmm. I think I can do the same thing with this, these math videos. Um, I just haven't had the few hours it would take me, you know, it probably take me a few hours to make the first one. And then after that, my goal is to be able to make one, you know, in less than an hour. Mm. Um, so yeah. So after Tuesday, I will be able to spend a few hours to try to make the first one, I think. Great. Um, what, what, so Tuesday comes around and you're able to go, uh, snow sledding, I guess, snow tubing, <laughs> yeah. tubing. tubing. Uh, the weather's just perfect. Uh, but you've got, you know, an hour where you could squeeze in some time to record a video. How, what, what, what might we do between now and Tuesday, which wait, we're talking about tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Tomorrow. So what tomorrow what, after 8 PM. Yeah. What things might we do today that would increase the chances and decrease the difficulty for that future Chris to be able to do this? Is there like a thing on the, like, like, do you know what the flow is going to look like of screen recording on the iPad? Is there, is there an easier way that we could do that? 
what what's the resistance going to be that that future Chris is going to encounter that that we might be able to address right now? Yeah, so I don't 100% know how I'm going to screen record the iPad. There's a few ways to do it, and a few ways I've done it in the past. Um, I don't necessarily like any of them, but that that will probably be two of the four hours to figure that out. And so I don't know that I can do anything today to help myself tomorrow. Just know that I'm going to have to go through that uh, when I the first time I want to do it. Yeah. Okay, that to me is an exciting project. That's that's a that's a yeah specifically specifically figuring out a way to screen record on the iPad. And have that be in a flow where it's as effortless as possible. That as a project gets me excited because, like, that's working on the system. That's like, you know, that that might turn into an app or something. I might figure out a clever way of ah, if I plug it into my computer, I can record it straight on my computer, and I can automatically time it with my face video, and uh, you know, figure out something with. I think you use Camtasia, is that right? Screenflow. Screenflow. Uh, you, you figure out something with. Oh, you said that. Uh, figure out something with Screenflow where it like automatically inserts my video or, or something. Uh, like focusing on the system as a project is, is a cool thing. Um, and there there have been videos that I've wanted to record using the iPad as like a virtual blackboard. That it's just one too many steps of like. Yeah. The, the straightforward way to do it right now, I think, is you hit screen recording the iPad in the little mission control center thing. And then uh, you're recording there, and then you also record your camera, and you do the thing, and then you hit stop, and now the video is on your iPad, so now you need to airdrop it or transfer it some other way to your computer, which that's like six steps in, at the minimum. <laughs> uh, and now you have both of those videos on your computer, and then you put them in uh, ScreenFlow, and then you sync them based on audio, and then you pick one of the audio tracks and then you arrange it of like, okay, these are the two angles I want. I want one with just the iPad and one with just my face and one with my face and the iPad. Um, so many opportunities in there for, for system improvement. Like if yeah. I could just hit record and do the thing, I hit stop and boom, it's there with those three angles in ScreenFlow. Like that would just be great. And I don't know of a way to do that, but if you figure it out, that would help me a lot. I can, uh, as we're talking, I'm going to Google real quick about how to record, because it would be really nice if I could do it straight into ScreenFlow. So... Yeah. AirPlay uh, is a thing? Yeah, uh, uh, and I think there's a way to AirPlay to the Mac? So, so I, I've used something called a reflector before. It may be okay. built in now. It used to not be built in. You used to have to use a, a separate app. And so I use that. It's like 12 bucks. It was, it, and it's really good. And I guess I could make that full screen... Mm. And then record my screen with ScreenFlow. Um, it also looks like maybe ScreenFlow will just record if I have a Lightning cable plugged in. Although this is Lightning cable and not USB-C, which makes me think it's really old. So mm. <laughs> it may be possible to just record it. Uh, so that's kind of neat. Okay. Well, I I hope I plant the seed of like this is an interesting problem. This is yeah. Uh, I'm gonna figure that out right after this call. I think. So, yeah. Ah, there we go. All right, cool. I, yeah. I feel like I've uh, I've achieved my goal. If so, I just. Gentle nudge on, uh, on pushing you forward on this. And then, my gosh, how, how great would that be if you figured out a system where, you know, you, you've you've streamlined this flow of getting something from your iPad, get, getting video and being able to use that as a blackboard. Uh, and then if that system is fun, now it's going to be much easier for you to, to start churning out these videos. Uh, do we know what that's going to look like? You're, you're just going to, like, record the video and put it up on YouTube and Twitter? Yeah, to start. Yeah, okay. I have the first, like, three or so planned in my head. I, I want to... Whenever I'm doing content, this is kind of a, a thing that I have. I want I want to make it. You want to you want to make the listener feel like 
they aren't dumb for not knowing the thing because I didn't know the thing just a minute ago. And so a lot of my title ideas are things like, why are logarithms weird? That was the first one I, I posted on Twitter. Because like, logs are weird, right? Because they're exponential and we're not used to dealing with exponential things. Yeah. So like, um, or uh, why does a chain rule, why do we even need a chain rule? Like that, that was one of my questions. So like phrasing them as these kind of questions, which make you think like, yeah, why do we need a chain rule? Yeah. Um, I think is a, is a good way to get people drawn in and uh, good for me too, because it really answers my question. Um, you know, but that's, oh, I love that. This is, cause that's, that's the Feynman method of like you, as a beginner, you're learning this and a question pops into your head. Why do we use the chain rule? Yeah, of course, you're not the first person to be thinking of that. Of course, you know, everyone in that position probably has, has thought of a similar question. Um, but you're in this fantastic position where like you are comfortable producing content that answers the question. So like, ah, uh, make a note of that. I have a question. Uh, why do we need to use the chain rule? Let me write that down. Let me do the research to answer the question. Great, I figured it out. Let me now answer my own question on Stack Overflow uh, yeah. of the world. And uh, and it's phrased to be discoverable by a beginner because I was a beginner 10 minutes ago and now I understand what this thing is. It's like the perfect e-bomb for yourself. And then, even if no one ever watches it, like this is a question that you had that you're probably going to have again in the future that yeah. like the next time you're thinking like ah oh, the chain rule why why did i need to use that hold on i recorded a video about this now it's it's helpful for you i think i told you this uh last week or the week before i had this experience where i had this really esoteric question pop up and i googled it and the top result was a blog post that i had written about yeah. that topic and i didn't remember writing it and i read it and it perfectly answered my question and i i didn't it was such a strange experience it was like it just it didn't feel real like that at any point if you wanted to convince me that like aliens existed or that we're living in a simulation like that was the vulnerable time in my life where you could have convinced me that that, that was the case uh but you know I, I just forgot it it was it was years ago so uh yeah even th this is this is another example i feel like of uh this concept we talked about of like games that you can't lose uh because even if you just make the video and you don't even publish it like you've learned the topic enough to be able to, to understand it better. You've, you've done the Feynman technique. Uh, and then it's only potential upside from there. Like this could potentially help you in the future. If you discover the video again, this could potentially help other people who are trying to learn the same topic. I, I love this as a game to be playing. I think this is a fantastic place to be put in time and attention. So uh, good. Keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the plan, right? Uh, and I've done that on purpose too. I've actually looked up, I, I have two courses in particular. One I did about Git and one I did about um, uh, domain name, DNS like records, hmm. and I, I reference those more than any of my other courses, like myself, because it's really easy to like forget, like what was that git command to, like fix the thing, or yeah, yeah. why do I need an A versus a triple A AAA record or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I have so. had the intention of doing something similar with Firebase for five years, <laughs> and I have this thought every single time I'm googling the same there's like 12 questions i never know about fire it's like what's the syntax for doing an upsert i'm pretty sure it's set and then you have your data and then for the second argument you have a an object and you say merge true but like it's really important to get that exactly right because if you think you're doing an upsert but you're actually doing a set that's really bad yeah. uh, i could potentially be overwriting all my data uh, it, it, like I want to be merging the the data so it's not overriding it like that. That would be catastrophic. 
So I Google it, and I'm like, ah, God, here we go again. It's the same page I found it on. <laughs> but if like that, along with the other dozen questions that I ask repeatedly like that, like that were all at gen.co slash Firebase, that would save me so much time. And then that's a thing on Google. And if I have it as like, you know, the, the heading for that section is like, what's the syntax we're doing this on Firebase? Uh, that's a terrible query. Uh, what would I be Googling? Like, you know, uh, 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 set versus upsert on Firebase or, or how to update without overwriting data on Firebase. Um, and then it has that little section and just it's as succinctly as I want it to be. Uh, now, someone else Googling that can also benefit from it. So, yeah, I, I'm i feeling the push myself to actually do that specifically with Firebase. Uh, that's, a, that's a page I've been meaning to write for a long time. Yeah, that's funny because I found myself thinking this week, uh, I have almost a, I, an identical problem, but with some of the Python stuff I'm learning. So, mm. for example, in PyTorch, so PyTorch is the neural network um, library I use, saving and loading a model. Like, it, I type the same things every time, but one of them is like model that. See, I think it's mo- I think it's model dot load torch dot <laughs> whatever, and yeah. the other one is torch dot save model dot whatever. Yeah, yeah. So it's backwards, and I look it up every single time. Yep. Because I just can't get it. <laughs> And uh, I really wish, in the, in the pages, the documentation, it's like halfway down the page. So I look it up, and I know the documentation page I'm going to, and then I'll yep. go halfway down and find yep. it. I wish I could just type that in, and like yep. my site popped up with exactly the line. Oh, man. Which probably means I should write that. But, uh, yeah. It, it, there's like three more things. Oh, like how to, how to load a file in Python, how to, say, how to save a dictionary to a file in Python. Uh, how, uh, there's like six things I looked up this week, probably six times each. <laughs> And, uh, yeah. Uh, I feel like we could keep talking about this for a while because I just remembered two other things that I have. Like <laughs> One of them is in Ruby for arrays uh, when calling reduce, I can never remember, is it the accumulator in the argument first and then the item of the array or is it vice versa? And I just looked this up. It's the accumulator first, yeah. but I sure am going to forget that in very so quickly. I, for, for that one, I have a trick. I always remember R comma V. So R comma V is results comma value. Results so comma value. value. So I like that. somehow in my brain, I got R comma V stuck in my head. And so I always put R comma V in the, in the reduce block. That's um, good. And it's the result in the value. Yeah. Okay. So, yes. Th- this, this is something I'm talking about in my section. Uh, I, I think I would like the flow of this category of problem to be I make a cheat sheet about the thing, mm. and then I make a flashcard of it. And then I add that flashcard to the set of my life flashcards of things I want to remember, like my girlfriend's phone number. I would like to be in there and like uh, yeah, <laughs> the esoteric facts about like stuff, uh, Spanish vocabulary lists. And, and <laughs> I just want to be like routinely going through that. I think that'd be a, a really good habit for me to adopt that would make me just overall smarter in my life. Uh, I have, but I'll, I'll talk about that as okay. a thing later. Uh, I have one more thing I just want to complain about, <laughs> which is throttle versus low dash. Uh, I'm sorry, throttle versus debounce in low dash. Mm. They're subtly different, and there have been moments in my life where I've understood the difference, and I sure don't right now. And I, I look it up every time, and I've learned just enough to be like, okay, I, I think it's this one that I want, but let me just try that one and see if, oh, yeah, that, that works well enough. Let me just go with that, and then I skip onto it. But I've done that, I don't know, two dozen times. And I'd like to just know it because it'd be better. And uh, I would like the process for that to be I have a page on my website, gen.co slash lodash, and I have a section that says uh, debalance versus throttle. And I have the answer of here's when you would use this and here's when you would use that. And then I want to take that and make a flashcard of it. 
and I want that. Mm -hmm. I want to review those flashcards in like a space repetition system. Uh, and, and do, do you have a system set up for that for space repetition? I have in the past. Uh, well, actually, no. We can we can start talking about that now. Um, so, <laughs> um, I have like in uh, in in 2019, I was hanging around my sister and brother-in-law a whole bunch and saw that they, while studying for the medical exams, were using Anki. A N K I. It's the I think yeah. it's the Japanese word for memory or something. Uh, as far as I can tell, it's like the de facto standard of flashcards of as a, as a system of learning it's based on uh super memo which is this proprietary software that has closed source stuff and it turns out there's some really good science behind the timing of cards uh you can like map out based on human brains uh what the forgetting curve looks like and you can prompt yourself to re-answer flashcards that you've already learned at an ideal interview uh interval so that you're gonna remember it uh, maximally and also you're putting the minimal effort into doing it per day so because the system is so finely well tuned like if you have something like this in place for like 10 or 15 minutes a day you get this huge boost in just like your capacity to remember things as a human um, so I th they're using it it's, it's mostly used by students and people who like have to memorize things professionally but I was looking at this like ah there's a lot of things in my life that I'd like to be memorizing like Spanish vocab and like uh, <laughs> just for fun to freak my friend out his passport number because uh he told me once and uh it, it would just spook him out of like four years later i'm able to, to recite it again from memory um what else did i have in there like different interesting facts of like the the diameter of the world was a cool thing and uh the the circumference of the earth is like a useful thing to have in my head when i'm doing these back of the envelope calculations and twenty four thousand miles yeah 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 uh, there's a thousand miles an hour exactly exactly mm -hmm. uh <laughs> I, there, there were like it's not exactly 24,000, though. It's, it's like a little it's off. Close. I yeah. used to know that number. Um, and also things like uh, programming knowledge and things like uh, uh, citations for facts that I learned or, like, uh, my, my key takeaways from a book. If I notice I've said something, like, quoted a book multiple times, uh, I want to have a flashcard in there that's like, where did this idea come from? It came from this book, and this is the author, and... Uh, just to show off, here's the year that that book was written. So in conversation, I could just dunk on the person and be like, actually, in Atomic Habits, written by James Clear in 2019. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so uh, I adopted that for like a year and a half, and it was great. And I stopped using it because Anki, as a piece of software, is terrible. It's, mm. it, it feels like it was written in the 90s. It has really weird cross-platform support. It has a really strange syncing system. Uh, that it like they have a mobile app, but to do it, you have to sync things manually to their cloud, and it doesn't handle conflicts very well. And uh, I didn't use it for like six months, and then they deleted all my data, so I have Ooh. to figure out how to dig that back up. Like it's deleted from the cloud. It's just it's bad. Uh, their interface for adding cards is slow and clunky. Like I want it to be just a keyboard shortcut, and I say like this is the front of the card and this is the back of the card. I want it to be in Markdown because uh, that's the most sane way to do this. If there's an image, I want to just be able to drag and drop it into the card. If I want to edit the card, I don't want to have to go into an edit mode. I just want to edit it in place. Um, so that's an idea that has gotten me excited in this last week. Uh, I, I had the idea while I was on a uh, road trip, which I'm going to tell you about. And uh, I, I feel a lot of enthusiasm to, to do this. Um I, uh, we'll pause there. I have a lot more to say. <laughs> that uh, I was using Anki, and uh, I feel compelled to make my own system. Yeah, this feels like 
every hacker who builds their own to-do list app, yep. <laughs> uh, which is fine. Like that's that's totally fine. Um, but it like uh, it will be something that you build for yourself. And if that is a success, then totally do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't build it expecting it to become some giant app. Um, you could probably push it to become some giant app. Like if you you know partnered with some PhD about learning and you you know built in lots of learning things in it and that kind of thing. Um, but my guess is it will probably become a successful personal project, uh, which you could totally do. I mean, that's fine. But uh, Absolutely. And, right and on the money. Neat, but yeah. Yes. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Um, and I think that's why Anki sucks. I think Anki mm-hmm. sucks because the market is a terrible market. Like, who, who are the people who need flashcards the most? It's students. Yeah. What a terrible <laughs> customer that is. <laughs> like, unless the school is paying for the thing. Uh, if, if you can somehow tap into like university money, then it, then it starts getting interesting, but yeah, even so, yeah, yeah, uh, not, not good. There was actually, uh, so Duolingo made a spinoff, uh, of their company called tiny cards, which was a cloud-based really good flashcard app. They did some things that I didn't like and like, they didn't have an API, but like it, it, it basically did these things that I'm saying it was web-based and had some basic formatting support and, uh, was a more modern app and they shut down hmm. and I think they shut down because it wasn't making any money. <laughs> like, yeah. it's a, the, the, there's no there's no audience for this that'll that'll pay for it. So, yeah, I think I'm the guy to do this, and I think uh, I'm going to be building it for myself, and I'm going to use this as my own personal thing for like probably a year, and then I'll open it up and say I've perfected this for myself. If anyone else wants to use this, you totally can. But also. Uh, you probably don't have any money. <laughs> and so <laughs> unless you have an idea that's like going to help me in the way that I'm using it, I don't really care. Uh, if you're asking for something different in the API that's going to help you with this thing, like it sucks. Because <laughs> uh, this, this isn't a thing that I'm doing as a product. This is yeah. Well, it's not a thing I'm doing as a business. It's a thing I'm doing as a, as a product. Uh, yeah, I think that's exactly how it's going to go. Yeah. If you were someone who wanted to make money from this, I'm not saying you are the type of person who wants to do this, but... Uh, the way you make money from this is not to sell a thing. It would be to sell a book. Um, so if you're James Clear or Tim Ferriss or something, uh, and you create a book about memory, yeah, yeah, and then you create the app, and you make the app completely free and very tweetable. So like people can like tweet when they get the thing right ten times in a row or something, and it yeah, includes yeah. a you know like the name of the book or something. Yeah, yeah. That's how you make money from it. You That's cool. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that angle. There's a lot I would. There's a lot of other things I would say in a memory book too. Um, Things like mnemonic techniques and like the the types of things, like the process we just talked about of like the, the best way to learn that you you start with the thing and you reduce it down so that you understand it. You write down the question. You figure out the the simplest way you can answer that question. You publish that somewhere, and then you turn that into a card that then goes in your uh, flashcard system. Yeah, yeah, huh? That's an interesting idea. I need to, I need it- to chew on that. And then you get five flashcards a day, and you get a Wordle-like little thing you can put in your Twitter. <laughs> I got three of my five. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that shareability of that Wordle thing. That's yeah. something I've been thinking about. They uh, they really nailed that. If you're interested in Wordle, by the way, he was on uh, Syntax with Wes Boss. No recently. way. Oh, yeah. cool. So listen to the latest Syntax uh, podcast, and he was on there. Uh, yeah, his name is Wardle, Josh Wardle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Wardle made Wordle, yeah. Cool. Uh, it was, it was a good podcast. Yeah. Cool. I'm excited to uh, to listen to that. I think he just made it like in plain JavaScript. Like it's it's an HTML yeah. file oh, and yeah. a JavaScript file. <laughs> like amazing. On purpose. 
yeah, yeah. Super simple. Yeah, and then the New York Times bought it for like uh, in the in the low, low millions. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, uh, amazing, incredible. Yeah. Um, and he goes into that too. He's like, if I wanted to monetize it and make more money with it, I probably could. But it's like, at some point, you're like, it might be a fad. I don't want to deal with scaling issues, you know. So yeah. that's why he sold it. So yeah, listen to that podcast. It's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was a good move. Um, I don't know how he might have done that better. Uh, cool. Okay. That's, that's the flashcard app that I uh, wanted to talk about. I'm going uh, out of order. So I need to just like restructure things in my head. Uh, okay. This is, this is a good next thing to talk about. I feel like I unlocked a, mm, another way to negotiate with myself, uh, to get things done that I actually want to be getting done because I had two times so far this week where I was just feeling super motivated to work on this flashcard app. And at the same time, I had this lingering thing in the back of my mind of like, ah, there's really this file inbox thing that I should do that like Rachel is waiting on me to do this thing. uh, Or like, you know, this has been a problem for a lot of customers and it would be really quick for me to fix. So how about this, Christian? You get to work on the flashcard app as soon as you finish this tiny thing. And it's going to take you 10 minutes. You work on it for 10 minutes and then you get to work on the flashcard thing. And it's been interesting because what's happened both times is I get started working on the file inbox thing and then I just keep working on the file inbox thing. Yeah. And so a little bit of me feels some resentment of that. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. You said I could work on the flashcard <laughs> thing. But but also like in the moment I'm enjoying working on the file inbox thing. So it feels like a new tactic I can use. Like in, in moments when there is this shiny new project that I want to be working on that's just totally diverting my attention that has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> like that, that's not a long-term goal. That's Well, it kind of is though. It's a thing that crystallized. Uh, it's, it's a shiny new project. Um, a, a tactic I can use going forward is to uh, uh, always know what the thing I should do next is. And then in those moments when I want to do something else, I can negotiate and say, how about I do this one thing or just work a little bit on this one thing that is the thing I should do, and then I can do the fun thing. Um, and that, that seems to have worked well. Um, so, yeah, uh, I unlocked a cool thing this week. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's it's kind of like what the Pomodoro technique tries to do as well. Um, but the carrot at the end is like you get a break, not you get to work on this other cool thing. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, whatever whatever works for you. It'd be interesting to see if that worked long-term. Do you have any idea about how you're going to make it work longer-term, or is it just something you noticed that you want to you know, keep noticing? That's a good question. Um, how might I make this work longer-term? Um, something I've thought about is, like, saving fun projects for the weekends, having better delineation between, like, okay, you know, it's Monday. Monday is the work when I... All the work I do on Monday is work that I should be doing. And all the ideas I get for projects I want to be doing gets pushed towards the weekend. But I think that's a little too draconian for me. Because I... When I've tried to do that in the past, I just rebel and jump straight yeah. to the fun work. Um, so I don't know. Maybe maybe it's like a time of day thing. Maybe like the morning up until a certain time is, is work I should be doing. And then in the evening or afternoon... I can either do fun stuff or I can do fun projects. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I like how you phrased it. Like, it's only 10 minutes, right? I mean, yeah. that's the kind of time frame that works for you. Um, there's, 
I can't remember the author, a famous author who says, I, I work whenever I feel like it, and I feel like it every day at 9 a.m. or something. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so there's some of that as well. Like, if you want to do hard things, you have to force yourself to do the work sometimes. Um, yeah, I don't know the right answer. I feel like we struggle with this every <laughs> every couple of weeks, but yeah. Same. I have another little point to of uh, a, a thing that worked in a specific context. I think that was Hemingway, but that's the sort of thing that I would want in my flashcard system so that I could just like <laughs> in conversation Break out like the this. Quote. Yeah. yeah. Well, as Hemingway said in uh, 1942 in <laughs> this thing. Uh, yeah. Cool. Um, we're going out of order, so I'll go with the next thing <laughs> out of order. Um, my executive assistant, Rachel, who is fantastic, had trouble with the task I gave her of arranging calls uh, and in talking with her about it, I think I gave her a task that was too complicated. I I told her, like, uh, I'd like to be having more conversations with people on the pro plan who are in one of these categories of accountant or loan officer or sign printer who have upgraded recently. And, here, and then we talked about the whole system of how to uh, schedule things on my calendar. And on our next one-on-one, which was the... I think it was immediately after our last podcast last week. Um, she was like, hey, I don't know how to find people like that. <laughs> and we walked and, and I looked at the dashboard and was like, oh, yeah, of course you don't. Like, this is just you're just looking at a list of users. And uh, the the only thing you can really see is when they upgraded and what plan they're on. So, yeah, that, that I don't even know if there are enough people. So, OK, how about this? Just anyone on the pro plan. Go through this list. Send an email to them. And we talked about what that template email is. And uh, anyone on the pro plan, send this email to them. And that seems pretty straightforward. And I still don't have any calls on my calendar. So i uh, talk with her again tomorrow. And I think it's going to be the same game of like, uh, hey, I'd like this thing to be happening. This thing's not happening. No worries. Uh, something is wrong about the task. Uh, and it'll be a, another renegotiation of how to make that happen. Uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to tell you that was happening. That's, uh... Yeah, yeah. And it could be. So, yeah, I think it's good that you recognize that it's not. I mean, it's not her fault for not knowing how your software works, right? right. Like you have to know your systems and stuff. Um, and a single query that you can write, you know, probably saves her hours of going through things. Yeah. Um, Which saves me money. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, I mean, it could be. So she has a couple tasks now, right? She has to keep responding to emails mm-hmm. to. Right, and then she also has to try to book stuff on your calendar. So it could be that those priorities are getting a little confused. Mm. Um, it could also be that she has trouble with the the list as you gave it to her now, like the list of clients, you know. Mm. Um, or it could be that no one's responded. So like that's yeah. totally possible too. Or or like no one has re- like it takes a couple of back and forths to schedule, and so yeah, it's it's possible just it takes a week to get someone on a schedule. Yeah, so. if if that's the problem, just that not enough time has elapsed, that would be ideal because that means yeah. the system's working. There's just a lag out in the future. Yeah, that that would be great. Um, I, I thought I had while you were talking is that I feel like I'm better prepared for having this sort of interaction after practicing being compassionate to myself in a work environment. Like I have, I have gone <laughs> through this practice so many times of like, okay, this work didn't get done. It's not because I'm a piece of garbage. It's because I think I am less of a piece of garbage than I actually am, and that's okay. <laughs> so let's make it a little easier, and let's let's focus on like getting the thing done, and uh, I can improve from there. So it's nice. I, I feel like I was better prepared to be a boss than I felt like I was, and I feel like I'm only going to get better. 
Yeah. That, yeah, that's that's something that I've seen in the kind of corporate world too, which is like I generally I have a view of the world like people generally try to do their best, right? Mm-hmm. And even if you think they're not trying to do their best, like say they goof off all day at work, mm-hmm. they're still they still probably want to do a good job, but something is preventing them from doing that. And it may be it may be something personal, like they need to be on some kind of medication, right, or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it may be something totally like, you know, work related that you as a boss can fix. Yeah. And I jump to that way more often than the person is just lazy or something. Mm. Um, yeah, like generally people want to do a good job, mm. but uh, if the work is awful or the process stinks or whatever, like those are fixable things. And, you know, yeah, so I think it's great to have compassion <laughs> to other people uh, and fix the process. Yeah. yeah. I had this question. I had this uh, this conversation with my dad a couple of years ago talking about he he was running a medical office at the time and he would just complain all the time about like, I can't find people who can pass this fifth grade math test. That was one of his hiring <laughs> criteria. He gave them a fifth grade math test and he looked for people who could get a, a perfect score on it. And uh, and he was like, ah, the education system, this is awful. And, and I said to him, like, have you ever made a French fry? <laughs> and he was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, have you ever made a French fry? Do you, do you know what's involved in making a French fry? And he was like, uh, I, I think so, and I'm not sure. And I was like, well, let me. I, I learned about this recently, so let me tell you. To make a French fry, you gotta grow a potato, you gotta wash it, you gotta transport it, you gotta cut it into sh- pieces that are the same size, and that's really hard. If you've ever tried to cut a potato and like have pretty similar, like that, it's rolling around. It's you know you gotta skin it first, so it's slippery. That's not an easy thing to do. And then to make a really good French fry, you have to blanch it, which is boiling it, uh, and then you freeze it, which ruptures the cell membrane, and then you fry it at oil at a very specific temperature for a very specific amount of time, and then you take it out of the oil, and that's very dangerous. You have boiling oil, and then you salt it, and then it's only good for like, you know, I don't know, half an hour after that if you, if you keep it heated. That's a really complicated process that somehow the McDonald's Corporation has gotten teenagers to do consistently throughout the world 24 hours a day that's amazing and is evidence of the process being much more important than the individual person you're over here saying you can't find people that are capable of doing this math test what if you made the math test easier and it's a test so that doesn't quite fit but like what what would it take for you you know you're, you're using this as a screening technique because your processes are as complicated as a fifth grade math test. What if you systematized your business processes so that they were simple enough that a high schooler in, you know, around the world could execute on this perfectly with minimal training? Uh, because if McDonald's is able to get people to do this with French fries, you should be able to do this with checking patients in. Uh, and I think at the time he was just like, huh, and then just kept doing things the way he was doing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, that's a thought that I've uh, come to like. I that's that's what I strive for in all my processes. Yeah, uh, I had almost the exact same thought when I so in high school I applied for a job at a movie theater, mm. and part of it was a test. It's like someone buys you know popcorn for this amount and a soda for this amount. How mm. much change do you give them back if they give you a twenty? And I was like, the cash register is going to tell you this. <laughs> like, yeah, you don't need to know this. Uh, and it turns out they don't care about math. They care about uh, if you're going to college in three months, which I was. So they didn't hire me. 
Uh. <laughs> they're, they're like, you're going to be gone in three months. We're not going to hire you. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I mean, make the process easy. Like, you have cash registers for a reason. You don't need fifth grade math. You just say one popcorn, one soda, $20 in, and it yeah. tells you exactly how much to spit out. So, yeah, um, yeah interesting. Sort of headed towards a, an idiocracy world where <laughs> it's just... <laughs> Just pushing buttons and no one understands what's actually going on. But I like to think that like that that freezes. I mean, someone has to, to someone has to program the cash register. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But like for the day to day, I guess I guess there's like there's two different modes of work. There's like the 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 work of defining what the system is, and then there's the work on executing the system. And I think I think what we're talking about is making the execution as brain dead simple as possible. Ideally, completely automated so that humans never even have to think about it. Uh, and that way, we can spend all our time on creating new systems and and that we can just put all of our uh stuff in and you know that that requires education that requires being able to pass a, a fifth grade math test um but that's the uh, you don't need everyone all the time to be performing at that level um when i'm doing my taxes i'm every time i do it i i automate one more thing so that at this point when i when i pay my when i pay my monthly taxes i just have this javascript blob now that i just like keep hitting this one button to execute the same javascript and then it just walks through step by step like that's the kind of thing i'm talking about and then eventually it's going to be automated it's it's, it's going to happen <laughs> it's really hard they don't make it easy but man it's i'm handling all the different edge cases and just getting this to the point where i can do it just in my sleep uh and that requires a lot of upfront thinking of very complicated work of figuring out how to automate the system and what it would look like so that later on when i'm executing on it it just happens automatically uh cool that was a fun conversation um and that was longer than i thought it'd be i have one more thing i want to talk about which contains right. three smaller parts um all right uh the the overarching thing is i went on a tesla road trip it was a 18 hour and 59 minute road trip across texas i went from dallas texas to midland texas which is in far east texas i'd never heard of it before this and then from midland i went down to austin and then i from austin i went back up to dallas it's very long in the Tesla, I spent three and a half hours of those 19 hours charging my car. I was doing rigorous time tracking. Mm. I installed a button in the car. Uh, that's 18.4% <laughs> of the entire time. This is not a great car for uh, quick road trips. If you're trying to yeah. minimize time on the road, this is bad right now. But what it's really good for is it was just driving itself most of the time. I flicked it on and I was able to just like answer emails while I was driving and take a drink and eat a snack and just like hang out. It, it was as if I had uh, a co-pilot that was there with me. And uh, it, that was really cool. That, that was worth it for me. That, that trade-off was worth it. Uh, like I, I could be hanging out at home or I could be hanging out in the car uh, or like at a Tesla charging station, chatting with other people who own Teslas. I met this very nice middle-aged woman who <laughs> was driving down from Ohio uh, to, to visit her daughter in Austin. And uh, that was kind of cool. We chatted about how cool Teslas are. Uh, so yeah, it, it was cool. I I enjoyed driving in the Tesla. Yeah, cool. I I'm curious if you install the same button in a gas car, what the breakdown would be. It would be less for sure, but mm. I don't think it'd be that much less. Like, you know, gas stops takes longer than you think, especially if you go to the bathroom and buy a snack or whatever. Yeah. Um. So it may be you know like two hours instead of three and a half or whatever. But that is a question I had because like you you're not you're not having to stop as much for the car, but then you are having to stop more for people. And really consistently, like, every time I stopped, I had to do something. Like, I had to go get food or I had to go to the bathroom or, like, some something had to happen. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know that it would. 
Oh, this is the uh, the Marquise Brownlee video. Um, yeah, I'd, yep. I'd be curious doing the same tracking in, in a in a gas powered road trip. What that would look like. Uh, okay, that that was the first subsection of this third thing. Uh, <laughs> second right. subsection. Um, I was able to meet Jordan Peterson. I uh, it was really cool. And we talked. If, if you bristled when I said Jordan Peterson, listener, please listen to the last episode. We talked about him as a controversial figure. Uh, I understand. But, but by the way, I looked him up after yeah. he talked about him because I didn't know. It. And he is more controversial than I thought he was based oh. on uh, <laughs> what you're saying. Uh, I, my my statement still applies that yeah. people are more complicated than than just their outward persona. But he 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 is bordering on the kind of person who I would consider uh, a professional troll. Um, that's I'll fair. That. Yeah, that's I'm open to having that conversation. That's <laughs> and like they're in in thinking more critically about him. I think he is more confrontational than he needs to be. Yeah, I think uh, he's doing it for the views, right? Yes, that's my that's my which like take. Well, I, it's, it's complicated. I, uh, the, he has he has written things and made things that have helped me in my life, and yeah. uh, no one is perfect. And yeah, that's 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 where I currently stand at that. Anyway, I I uh, got to meet him. I gave him the thing, and uh, I laser cut out the URL of the site that I redesigned for him uh, on this card that was wood and uh it was like his logo but expanded i thought it was pretty creative and uh i got up to meet him and i was like hey thank you you've improved my life a lot and uh i made something for you and i handed him this card and he was like oh what's this <laughs> and i said i redesigned self-authoring and he said ah i'll take a look and then we took a picture and that was the interaction <laughs> <laughs> i have i've checked every once in a while to see like you know has someone signed up for it because i didn't install any kind of like tracking to see uh just people visiting the site and no one signed up for it and i'm really okay with it i this, this was kind of a long shot but i i don't think it's going to turn into anything specifically with him but i am happy that i did this because this is now like the thing for me to interact with when i'm doing this uh program so that feels good uh wanted to give you an update on that uh that's all okay yeah <laughs> it'd cool. be interesting like i i anticipated him not you know, but people who have a lot on their schedule often don't make time for things that aren't on their schedule. So yeah. that, that was an outcome that was that was totally, you know, a possible outcome. Yeah. yeah, yeah, makes sense. And like, my gosh, he's in in the theater I was in. I, the The ticket I paid for the VIP experience was like three hundred dollars, and I think there were like two hundred people there that had paid three hundred dollars. Mm. That's sixty thousand dollars. If he's taken half of that, he made thirty grand just from the VIP experience on a single night so he's probably taken home like i don't know 50 grand a day on tour and is just devoting himself to to doing this tour like that's a lot (laughs) and and at the same time he's developing two apps on his own already and like he's got books and like this guy has much bigger potatoes to to worry about yeah uh so i my my feelings are not hurt at all and uh i yeah, I, I feel good about the whole experience. It was cool. I got to ask him a question. He answered it. Oh, I asked him about neuroticism. That was fun. Uh, next thing, I got my paramotor. I have it. I was able to fly. It's amazing. It's so cool. Awesome. Oh, my gosh. You just <laughs> airborne. It's incredible. Uh, and I've been practicing the wing skills. Uh, it's called kiting. 
ground kiting you're on the ground and you just practice like going from the wing on the ground to picking it back up and then running with it and then that's the first part of being able to take off so uh i think i do that like another 50 times and then i go on to the next step of like okay let's try with a motor shop to your back and let's try um going down a hill so you can practice taking off and landing just on a, on a hill um so that feels really good it's it's this i feel like i've had a lot of hobbies that i've gotten into because of other people like ballroom dancing i got into because a friend of mine from college was like hey we should go to ballroom dancing because there's going to be a lot of pretty girls there and i was like that sounds like a great idea luke <laughs> and uh and then you know scuba diving was the same sort of way and like hiking and climbing with the same sort of way um and this feels very authentically me like i found out about this thing and not a lot of people like i didn't know anyone who was doing this i found out about it because i was looking for ways to fly uh and looked at hang gliding first and so like yeah it, it feels really cool that like i set this goal for myself and i'm doing it and it's really cool and it feels exhilarating even just doing this on the ground cool yeah that is neat um do you have to do see 50 50 kiting or whatever you called it um do you have to do that yourself or do you do that with an instructor what's the process for like getting that i had to learn how to do it with an instructor i didn't have to one of the cool sure. things about this is it's almost completely unregulated. You yeah, can like just buy one of these and yeah. do it yourself. Uh, yeah, as, as an ultralight, it's basically the same rules as uh, for flying a drone. Almost anywhere you can fly a drone, you can fly this thing, and you need about as much uh, approval for flying a drone as you do for this. So, uh, but I'm trying to do this by the book. This is very dangerous. I'm putting myself up in the air on like, right. <laughs> gear that I don't fully understand. So for uh, the, the way it works is you find a local instructor, which is hard because the website sucks and so i like made a map of that showed where all of them are and i found there's this one in dallas and there's one in austin and i contacted both of them and i liked the one in austin better but then i wasn't able to go to austin but i ended up going to both of them and i think i'm going to keep going to the one in dallas and what that looks like is you call them up and you say hey i'd like to be part of this and then they say cool join this facebook group or this whatsapp group and uh hmm. on the next good weather day uh come out and that was really uncomfortable for me because i was like do I need to book an appointment? Do I need to pay you? Like, how does this work? But it's real loosey-goosey. You just, like, go <laughs> out and you're like, hey. And they're like, ah, oh, you wanna, what, do you, what do you want to learn? How much do you know? All right, yeah, go over there with that guy. He'll show you what to do. Uh, and the first day in both places just looked like getting uh, an intro to what the wing is and the harness and the basic fundamentals of, like, here's what you're trying to do and here's how you hold your hands and here's how you untangle this thing when it inevitably gets tangled. And let me show you once how to do it. You take the, the risers in one hand and you take the A-lines in the other hand and you pull up and you make sure you're aligned with the wind and you get it up. All right, now you try that. And then you do it. And then they're like, all right, great. Now the next thing, you want to do that, but with it strapped to you. So you're going to do the same thing, but you're going to run. And then you try to run and you start running and then it pulls you backward. And you're like, whoa, I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. And yeah. then they're like, yep, no one ever does. All right, do it again. And then you do it again and you're like trying to run. And they're like, oh, you need to run left. And you're like, why? And then your, your wing careens off to the right. And you're like, oh, I, or no, careens off to the left if it, if it was going to fall left. Mm. Uh, and then you, you walk through that like 10 times. And then you get it. And the wing goes up overhead and you're running. And you're like jogging with it. You're like, all right, here we go. And they're like, all right, pull the brakes. And you pull the brakes and it works. And you're like, oh, fantastic. Uh, and then they're like, all right, uh, keep doing that, I guess. And then you do it a few more times with them there. And then they're like, cool. And then I asked, well, what do I do next? And they said, do that a lot more. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, okay. <laughs> so then once I had my wing, I just went to a local park and, uh, just started like doing laps, uh, you know, getting set up and then hooking myself in and then running and I can do it pretty consistently now and I can sort of like turn it and, uh, that feels good. And so I think the next step is, 
I go back and I say, okay, I'm pretty good at this thing. And then they say, great, here's the next thing you're going to do. Um, yeah. I don't even know if that was the question you were asking, but I wanted to talk about it. Yeah, no, that's fine. Uh, cool. Yeah, that's neat. It, it's like, it reminds me of doing, I mean, learning anything. We've talked a lot about learning this podcast, but like uh, learning anything, like you, you do it in a safe way and you do it enough times that you sort of experience all the little things that could fail, hopefully, you know, on the ground while you're still on the ground. Mm-hmm. Because when you're in the air, you have no more margin for getting it wrong. So yep. um, yeah, you do it 50 times on the ground because hopefully you experience the things that you're going to experience in the air. Um, yep. It also reminds me of like, so scuba diving, you can learn scuba diving in like, I don't know, a few hours maybe, or even less, I suppose. But um, but then you watch like these, uh, like the military, like dive schools and stuff. And they do, you know, six weeks of intensive training, including like, you know, they have dive instructors take your thing and tie it into a knot. And like, you have to undo it while holding your breath for three minutes and stuff. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. There, there is a level of learning anything. <laughs> um, you can always go kind of off crazy, but uh, yeah. cool. Yeah, I'm excited to see your first GoPro video from the air. I don't know if you're going to do that, but. Absolutely. It's going to be so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my hands are sweating just thinking about it. I'm, I'm so <laughs> excited. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot like scuba diving. It's, there's the same sort of thing of like, if, if you're just trying to go after the calmest conditions and you just want to take things super safely, you don't need that much training. The yeah. hard part is taking off and landing. Uh, if the air is good, you you don't need to know that much. But yeah, if, if you want to go at this level of like these Navy SEALs, then okay, let's train, you know, what happens if your wing collapses and what happens if you need to deploy your reserve parachute and uh, what happens if you're taking off in way higher wind and uh, there, there's infinite depth you can go in this but i think for me right now i'm just i just want to fly dude i don't <laughs> but if i have to wait for perfect weather like yeah I'll, I'll do that um that makes sense uh cool the last thing i want to talk about related to this super long road trip i don't know if you know about the fsd beta 10 do you know anything about this no i heard they had to recall something is this what they had to recall or is this separate? no on oh, okay. uh, okay. actually actually i don't know that that may have been that may have been something they recalled in the... I don't know. Um, FSD Beta 10 is the latest version of Tesla's self-driving software. It's so much better. It's a city street driving. You can just, from your driveway, say, I want to drive to this thing. And unlike right now, how it, like... Currently, the full self-driving will stop at stoplights. And then when the stoplight changes, you need to say, like, okay, you can go again now. And huh. uh, it'll take exits for you, but it's really bad at getting onto exits. And it's not very good at turning. You have to do the turn yourself. The FSD Beta 10 is the first version of like almost complete end-to-end driving. You can be in your driveway. You can say, I want to go to this McDonald's to get some delicious French fries made by a teenager. And you type it in and say, go, and it'll pull out of your driveway and it'll turn right onto your street and it'll stop at the stoplight and it'll go when the stoplight changes and uh, it'll merge in with people and it'll take turns and be able to navigate. It's, It's the whole thing to be able to get it. You have to be subscribed to FSD, which is the either $12,000 or $200 a month thing that isn't very good right now that just takes exits. And you have to have a 98 or above on their driving score for at least 100 miles. Mm. And I didn't realize how bad I am at driving, according to (laughs) Tesla. (laughs) The first day I got a 95 because of unsafe following distance. The next day I got a 92 because I messed up a whole bunch of other things. I got some things. And then I read, you can reset your score. So I was like, ah, here we go. We're in the money now. That was two days ago. And the first day, got a perfect 100. I was elated. I was so happy. 
Uh, next day, I got a 99, and I was like, this is okay. This is still above a 98. Next day, yesterday, I get a 72 because yeah. I had one, one forward collision warning in a 10-mile drive. I, I was so upset. And uh, so I did this trick where I, like, reset the car thinking, okay, maybe this won't – maybe this will clear so it won't remember it, and it totally remembered it. And <laughs> so – I'm resetting it again because I did the algebra of like, okay, well, my current score on average is a 95, but I'm almost 100 miles. How many additional miles would it take driving perfectly to raise a 95 to 100? Oh, 165? Okay. <laughs> right. Let me just reset the score again because uh, I, I can get it done at 100. But, oh, man, is it is it hard. Uh, and a little demoralizing to see. Like, I've had people comment that parts of my driving uh, were not the driving that they liked the most. But it's kind of different to see, like, an objective score that, like, this right. is specifically what you're doing badly. <laughs> uh, but it's also kind of nice because it's immediate feedback and, like, I can I can improve that specific thing. So that's that's my ongoing project. I hope for next week that I'll be able to say that I have gotten access to this beta. Interesting. Um, I think that's really kind of neat that they're sort of teaching people how to drive through this score. I mean, you're, you're probably going to drive safer because it's, you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe not, but <laughs> I'm reminded of when I got my first, my, uh, so I have a Honda fit, which is a really bare bones car. But one thing it does have is it tells you the miles per gallon as you're driving. Mm. It has a little like graph that goes up and down and then it tells you miles per gallon, like broke down several different ways. And I kind of made it, uh, I, I tried to get that as high as possible as like a game. Um, and it improved my driving. Like you can't accelerate <laughs> very fast. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, kind of, you know, brake better and you, yeah, basically improving your miles per gallon tends to improve your driving safety. Um, so it's just a similar thing. I think, you know, it's kind of a game to see how, good you can get also it seems like you need to take a hundred mile road trip uh it does it, <laughs> we're going back it, to midland <laughs> it, it feels like highway driving would be much easier to get a yes. safe driving score on than city yeah. driving which is why i bought it right before the road trip because i was thinking like ah this is gonna be a piece of cake let me just do it for this road trip and then i'll knock it all out right now little did i realize how much more i needed to game the system <laughs> than i was <laughs> Uh, I was a, a worse driver than I thought I was. But go, we'll, find we'll an, there. Go, go find an abandoned airport and just do laps. <laughs> <laughs> uh, perfect. There is a, it's kind of tricky because like, to, to, to have a valid score, you do need to be following people. Uh, but you have to be – so you have to be close enough to them that the car knows that you're following someone. So you have to be like within four or five seconds. But then you can't be closer than a second. So like – it kind of does have to be real driving, but yeah, the, yeah. the way to game it, I think, is mostly highway driving. Um, and then just make sure you're at a, a safe distance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. I yeah. Hope you get it soon. Thank you so much. I also hope I do. Uh, Chris, that's all I got. That's all I got, too. Then I'll see you next week. Goodbye.